Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I'll tell you what, I can even be more specific than that. Live from the fountains of the Bellagio, I am Jim Rome. We're on the Strip in Vegas, Alvin, if you don't mind, back home. Can I get that deck of yeah? I know it's not Friday. It's Tuesday, but I need that deck of yeah. What's cracking? Welcome to the program with Wednesday's breakfast, two for three dollar biggie bundles. You can choose the pair you want. Limited time only during breakfast hours. U.S. price and participation may vary. Not valid in a combo single item at regular price. What's cracking? All right, in case you missed it yesterday, we were broadcasting live all week long, not from Radio Row, but we are on the strip right outside the Bellagio, and we are getting ready for Super Bowl 58. If you were watching on CBS Sports Network, you can see that. This is one of the all-time. Oh, yeah, is that thunder? It is raining. It is raining. The elements are here, but we are covered up, and I've got a full slate of guests starting at the very top. Clones, really quickly, if you want to jump in, you can. Telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. As always, you can hit me up on the X. Speaking of the X, I have an announcement to make a little bit later on regarding the X. Follow me on the X at Jim Rome, and you can also email me at rome at habitake.com. All right, in terms of the guest today, we got a big day. Coming up in 20 minutes, I've got Sam Monson, Robbie Gold, Mike Jones, Michael Brockers, Will Brinson, the pro football doc a little bit later on, Andrew Whitworth, Big Wit, will be here on the studio right outside the Bellagio with me, our friend Jeffrey Chidiha. But joining me in segment number one to break down the game and some other things, that guy, if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, that is Michael Lombardi. He is a former NFL GM. He is a three-time Super Bowl-winning NFL executive. He has held senior positions with the Pats, the 49ers, and the Raiders. He is the co-founder of the Daily Coach Newsletter. He is co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast. And he is co-host of the Lombardi Line on VEASAN weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. He's got a great book. We've talked about it on the program. The football, the football or the book is called Football Done Right. It's available right now. Mike, it's a mouthful, man. It's a lot to get out. <laughs> oh, wow. It's good to see you. How you doing, Mike? I am doing great. Thank you for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. It's good to have you. So how do you feel about everybody descending upon your town? I don't know if it's my town. I mean, I grew up here. It's my first job. I, I was just reminiscing with Jason, the driver who drove me over here. I came to town here and made no money, and there was a Holiday Inn across the street that I got Holiday Inn coupons so I could eat. Burger King and Holiday Inn coupons, that was my salary, and now that's all gone. What well, man, so, and, and look how that turned out. You parlayed <laughs> that into multiple rings. Would you have come up any other way? Like, how? I mean, we laugh about it right now, but how much of that time is the reason that you and I are having this conversation right now? Oh, I think it's the only way I could have happened. I mean, look, let's face it. If, if I thought about money or if I thought about anything, Springsteen has a great line. He says, I, I didn't want to be happy. I didn't want to be famous. I, I didn't want to be anything but great and I think when you have that mindset you, you kind of like you don't care about fame fortune and all those things you care about getting in the right situation and you know my first job with the 49ers I didn't make any money either so but you find a way to do it but the knowledge you gain from standing next to the great Bill Walsh or John McKay John McVeigh and all those people it, it's it's unbelievable they still live with you today Jim it's like being it's like having your parents you know I still hear Walsh's voice. I'm not ever walking by a pitcher 
that's crooked on the wall without straightening it because that was one of his pet peeves. Michael Lombardi joining us. I was going to say to you, when you tell me that you hear Bill Walsh's voice, what else is Bill Walsh telling you right now? He's saying to me, he's going to quote Mark Twain. He's saying this game is going to come down to the unconventional swordsman. The greatest swordsman in the world never fears the second best swordsman. They fear the unconventional one. And I think this game is going to come down to what can San Francisco do unconventionally and early in the game to get Andy Reid off this script, to get Andy Reid off the wall script. Because if you go back the last three games, they have scored on the opening drive, whether it's been a field goal, whether it's been a touchdown. They have been dynamic and they have played from in front. 46 of their 70 points in the playoffs have come in the first half. So this is going to be about what can San Francisco do unconventionally different? Because if Reid and Mahomes know they're in this front with this coverage, they're going to be 12 for 12 throwing, and they're going to have a 14-0 lead by the second quarter. We're talking to Michael Lombardi. You know, Michael, watching the Chiefs right now, they're definitely a very different team now than they were during the regular season. My question to you, that switch, how much of that switch was about changing a mindset come postseason time, and how much of that is about Andy Reid revamping his offense on the fly? You know, there's a great line that says, fear does the work of reason. And when you lose to the Raiders at home on Christmas Day, and the opposing quarterback has one completion after the first quarter. And, and you don't really, they don't do anything the entire day except you make all the mistakes. You can reason with the team. And I think what Andy did at that point is why he's a great coach. He dynamically shifted his team. They went from holding the ball, exposing their offensive line, trying to make big plays, to going back to old school Kansas City, really back to Alex Smith, Kansas City, and trying to possess the football. They've had 19 drives of over seven plays or more. Right. Pacheco averaged 14 carries in the regular season. He's at 21 in the playoffs. So as much as Andy Reid hates to call runs and we know he does, he hates losing more. And that day, Christmas Day, he went home and probably had his traducted and said, I can't do this anymore. We're going to change. Right. We're going to change how we're playing. And he did. And it's been effective. The strength of their teams is the defense. They played to that. They've controlled it, and they've been very quick to get the lead. That's why the script in this game is going to be the most important aspect of the game. Michael Lombardi joining me on the set, our first guest on this Tuesday. You know, Michael, it says a lot, like nothing against Alex Smith. I love Alex Smith. I mean, a pro's pro. Right. Alex Smith is not Patrick Mahomes. What's it say about Patrick Mahomes that he accepted that and understands yeah. that I'm going to do whatever it takes to win, and I don't need to be that guy. I just need to take care of the ball and put us in the right spots. It shows he's the great teammate. Because, look, Brady wins six Super Bowls in New England. The first Super Bowl he won, they threw for 143 yards. They ran for 142. The last Super Bowl he won, they scored 13 points. Great players figure out how they have to play to win because winning is more important than anything for a great player because Patrick Mahomes is about winning. It's not about how many stats I have. I think if you were to go to ask Warren Moon, who's thrown for 27 miles of passing yards in his career, if you would say, would you give up some of those passing yards for a Super Bowl? He would say absolutely. And I think that's what Mahomes said. Mahomes realized I can't hold the ball. No one's getting open. We're going to have to change what we do. They kept trying to do it during the season. And finally, I think ultimately on Christmas Day, they said enough is enough. In other words, that butt kicking was the best thing that ever happened to them. Yeah, well, and it woke Andy Reid up. And I think they changed. Now, they know their style they have to play. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're sitting there saying, okay, I got this, right? I know how they're going to play. This is what they're going to do. That's why Steve Wilkes has got to change what he does. Because when Baltimore came out, they went right down the field and scored. They were He was, what, 11 for 11? And then Baltimore got into the game. Remember, they won the last playoff game without scoring in the second half. They didn't score a point. You know, it's remarkable. So 
if you can get through the first part, they don't really have another gear to go to. Right. If this becomes a passing game where Mahomes has to throw it in a drop back game, that front for the 49ers should take over. Right, but so it's you, hard to get to it. I'm sorry to interrupt. Michael Lombardi joining us. I wanted to jump in because you mentioned Steve Wilkes. Looking at that defense, you've got a lot of playmakers, a lot of big-time talent and caliber on that side of the ball. But looking at that defense, it's been leaky. Does that defense make you nervous? It makes me really nervous. I mean, they gave up 4.1 yards per carry in the regular season. They're at 5.6 in the postseason. They gave up 9.3 yards per completion in the regular season. They're over 12 in the postseason. I think what you'll see is they're going to take Chase Young and try to take him out of the game. People are attacking the edges of their defense in the run game. And Young has been running up the field. He kind of just wants to make that pass rush and then have all the announcers talk about, you know, remember when he was the second pick overall in the draft? Well, that hasn't worked out. I, I think they need to get stouter on the edges. And they need to really be able to force, to force that defensive front to take over. Look, all the money in San Francisco is in their front. You know, Armstead, $20 million, Hargrave, all those guys make big money. And they haven't showed up. And so, conversely, you say, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you say, well, we haven't played our best game yet. We have we probably played our best games B minus, and we're in this game. We're in Las Vegas. If we play a better game, we got a chance to win. I was going to say, have they not played their best game yet, or is this effectively who they are? That's a great question. I, I think they're better than what they've showed. Their tackling has been really poor. Terrible. Right? It's been horrible. And, and, and that's not usually what they've done. And they're tackling. But their front, I, I know this, their front's good. Like Hargrave was a good player. Bosa's a great player. They have two sacks. They didn't harass the quarterback at all. Now, when they finally got Goff to move in that game, when he slid right or left, they, that's what caused the difference in the game. And, you know, Mahomes is good on the move. This is going to be a challenge. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Michael Lombardi doing what Michael Lombardi does. What about, and I know you think about these things at great length, you got two beautiful football minds, right? You've got Kyle Shanahan, you've got Andy Reid. I get that they're not lining up against each other, but in this battle of minds, in this game of chess, who do you give the edge to, Andy or Kyle? But you also got to add Spagnola in this too, right? Yes. You got to add Wilkes, and you got to add Mike into it too, because there's no better consigliere to have than Mike Shanahan, who belongs in the Hall Let of Fame. Let me stop by right the there. Like, how, how, how much action is Mike getting in this? How effective is Mike in this? How active is Mike in this whole thing behind well, the scenes? I, I think Mike's the great voice of reason, right? Because he's got his vested interest in it, and he watches the game. Now, I'm not saying he's sitting there until 2 in the morning with the game plan, but he can ask the right questions. What, what we do, people with experience have a way of asking the right questions. Have you thought about this? What would Andy do? Like, I would be, I know Kyle probably because he's really smart, I would be saying, Dad, like, what do you think Andy's going to put on that script? How would you attack me in that script? Like, what would you do after watching these games? Is Mike advising him from Cabo? Well, I think Mike might probably be here now. I mean, why not? <laughs> he better be by, by now. But I think that you, why would you not use that resource? So I think the this, this chess match is between all these coordinators and Wilkes is involved and how you set up. It's the strategy of the game. It's what, why we love football so much. It combines an incredible violent sport with great strategy. It's chess with violence. And I think to me, that's, what make, that's why we all love it so much. And I think that strategy, 
look, when Ali went to go fight Foreman, he watched all the tapes of Foreman, and he said, I can't beat this guy. The only way I can win this fight is if I do this. And he did. That strategy turned into a winning fight. He got him to the seventh round. Styles make fights. There you go. And that's what it's. this is what it's going to come down to. No, Ali knew he couldn't punch with the big fella, but he knew he could win if he did it the right way. So ultimately, what do you think it comes down to? If the line stays where it is right now, KC plus two, how would you play it? I would probably take I would take the points. You know, I, I and I worry about Moody's kicking reliably. Now he was a great kicker in college. You know, I can remember talking Texan Jim Harbaugh after a win where Moody made a great kick and he was he loved Moody. I, I, I'm not down on Moody. Just these young rookie kickers seem to have to go through this growing pain. We've seen it before. Look here, we're in Las Vegas. Carlson got cut by the Vikings because he couldn't make a kick and now he's in the Pro Bowl. It's just kind of a world you got to go through. That's the only thing that gives me concern is can they make can they make a clutch kick? Mike, you mentioned Jim Harbaugh. How long do you think it's going to take Jim Harbaugh to, you know, impact the culture with the Chargers, transform the cultures in or the culture into what he wants them to be, the team? Oh, I think it started already. I think it's it's going to start already because when I went to Michigan to speak to his team this summer, you could just feel the connectivity in that team. I came back and I said it on my show. I've said it on the pod. You know, that team was connected. Jim will connect this team. They'll be tougher physically, mentally, and he will see. Most people think Jim is a uh, a, a, a tactician because he played quarterback in the league. No, Jim's a strategist. And Jim will build this team with toughness, physical and mental toughness. And I think it's, he's going to make an impact right away. I'm curious, what was your message to that team when you went back there? My message is usually with teams that have that is the Kobe Bryant poster, right? Everybody wants to put Kobe's picture on their wall, right? They have the Kobe Bryant picture. But then when you tell them what Kobe does and what Kobe did, do they really understand who Kobe was? So take the picture off your wall if you don't know who Kobe is. And so to me, if you want to be great, the greatest Lombardi line of all was simply the greatest reward for doing is the opportunity to do more. And, I, and basically all my talks are do more. What you're talking about is the Mamba mentality, the price that he paid. One last thought. On the topic of basketball, you are a big 76ers fan. Yeah. What was the first thing that went through your mind when the big fellow Joel Embiid suffered that meniscus injury <laughs> and you found out that he was going to be out for an extended period of time? Uh, you know, to me, it's no, no surprise at all. I ex expected it to happen because, you know, he's never <laughs> in great sad, shape. Man, right? He's never in great shape. And then once he scored 70 and once he's won the MVP, I, I thought he was on the other side, very unlike Mahomes. I mean, winning that award seemed more important than winning a title. And look, he's a great player. I've scouted players my entire life. Do you think, life. Mike, do you, do you really think that he wanted to win the MVP more than he wanted to win the title? Oh, I think there's no question. You do? I do. I, I, I see it in the way he plays. And look, I've scouted players for 40 years of my life. I've never seen a talented player as he is on the ground as much as he is. It's scary. He falls down quite a bit, and you just know he's going to get hurt. Part of the NBA, though, right? They're trying to sell calls. LeBron is a physical imposing dude. He's flopping all over the place. Yeah, but look at LeBron's body compared to Embiid's body. Mm -hmm. You know, look at his body. Look at Kobe's body compared to Embiid. Embiid's body hasn't really changed. I mean, it's still the same. And if you watch games as closely as I do, he goes from one three-point line to the other. So you you think that's a Joel thing more than a Sixer thing? I do. I think that they I think they bought into it. And he's a great talent. But remember this, it, you know, great talented teams don't always win. Ask Warren Moon. Mm -hmm. Mike, really appreciate you. We do you on every single show that we possibly can. My podcast, The Daily Show, right here live in Vegas. So it's great to run you down. I really appreciate Thank it. You, Jim. Appreciate the friendship. And it's always good to talk to you, Mike. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Jim. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We are joined right now by PFF's lead NFL analyst. He is also co-host of the PFF NFL pod. He is a media personality. He is Sam Monson. Sam, what's going on? How's the week treating you so far? It's been good. It's been good. The beautiful uh, sunshine and weather of Vegas, of course. That's what we're all here for. Yeah, yeah, but when did you get here, man? Yesterday was raining <laughs> sideways in hour number one, so I'm pretty happy about this right now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not much better today, though. At least the rain's eased off. All right, so let me ask you this. Before we jump into the game, for those who do not know, those who know, know, but for those who do not know, what exactly is Pro Football Focus, and what was it like in the startup days when you were there as one of the members of the initial core team? Yeah, we're, we're an analytics company, right? But our USP, the, the thing that makes us unique is we are grading every single player on every single play. So we're adding some stuff in there, some context, some, some subjectivity, but it's important subjectivity because it's the kind of thing that can tell you that not every 50-yard pass is a great play by the quarterback. Sometimes it's a great play by the receiver. Sometimes it's just bad defense, right? So the grades add in all these layers of context that when you start adding it together with the analytics and the data and the more uh, black and white objective stuff gets you to something that's completely unique out there. All right, so in a sense, Sam, who is the product for? Is it for teams? Is it for gamblers? Is it for fans? <laughs> or is the answer yes? Yes, exactly. It's for everybody. I think that's the great thing about it. We sell to all 32 teams. We sell to every FBS team as well, all the, the media out there, as well as people, guys that just want to know how well is their offensive line doing, how well is their defense. So everybody, really. All right, Sam Monson joining us. Let me ask you about Patrick Mahomes. Like, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, and he's still doing Patrick Mahomes things. You know, never mind the crazy arm talent and that holy crap, did he really just do that kind of thing. Let's drill down for a minute. When you talk about his game right now, from the shoulders up, how would you describe the level of mistake-free ball that he's playing right now? And, and it's in the postseason that he takes it to another level. It's crazy. He's already the best quarterback in the NFL, one of the best of all time. It's just a case of how long he goes, but when he hits the postseason for his career, he elevates it to a new level, and where he really really changes his game in the playoffs is he stops making mistakes. He's already one of the most mistake-free quarterbacks in the NFL, but in the postseason, this year he doesn't have a single turnover-worthy play. So basically he hasn't put the ball in harm's way at all yet in the playoffs, but also his percentage of negatively graded plays at all. So you just miss a guy, right? A couple yards. It's not dangerous. It's just a bad throw. He cuts down what is already a league-leading figure in those to another level completely. Like four more percentage points come up, comes off that number in the postseason. Playoff Mahomes is a real thing, and regular Mahomes is already, you know, the best quarterback out there. So, in other words, he's not making big mistakes. He's not making small mistakes. If the Chiefs have another dominant defensive performance in them, and Mahomes is taking care of the ball the way he is, what is the Niners' best path for victory? Their only path to victory in that scenario is the receivers letting, the Kansas City receivers letting down Mahomes. You know, he can only put the ball in their hands if they're not going to come up with it. That's how the 49ers can, can triumph. But they're going to need something like that, I think, because that defense is amazing. Mahomes is amazing. The only thing left to go wrong is the other guys. Sam Monson joining us right now. Even they have stepped it up. Do you still have questions about the KC receiving core, or do you trust them at this point? 
I think you have to have questions just in terms of depth. We know Travis Kelsey's amazing. Playoff Kelsey's a real thing as well. Um, Rasheed Rice, the rookie, has stepped into that role. He's become a, a real viable secondary target. It's what happens if the 49ers are able to come up with a game plan that neutralizes those two guys. And teams have done that before when the Chiefs had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. There were teams that figured out a way of taking both of them away at the same time. It's really hard, but two weeks to game plan, you can do it. And if they have to go to everybody else, that's where I think you start to question whether those receivers can make those plays consistent. All right, Sam, what about Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy playing the way he is right now, is that going to be enough for them to win that chip, or is he going to have to find another level and play even better? I think he needs to get back to the level he was at earlier in the season, during the regular season, where he was genuinely playing fantastically. The playoffs, they haven't been as good. One game was in the rain, so maybe that, that was part of it. Um, but last week wasn't great either. I think Purdy needs to play a clean, good game for him to keep pace. What concerns you more, his play or the play of the Niner defense at this point? I think his play is probably more concerning. The Niner defense is good, but, you know, Mahomes is Mahomes, and they're not going to make mistakes. So the Chiefs offense will have some success. Purdy needs to have a clean game to keep pace, I think. All right, Sam, as long as I have you here, let's look around the league for a minute. When you look at the quarterback market, where do you think Kirk Cousins is going to end up? Because is that not the first domino? Oh, absolutely. That's the one that's going to set the market for everything. And I think Atlanta still makes the most sense. That is a team ready to be good if they had a quarterback. They've got good skill position players. It's a good offensive line. Zach Robinson, the new offense coordinator, former PFF Zach Robinson. So we have to talk him up. Um, it's ready. It's just got. It's ready for Kirk Cousins to step in there and be, be did, a good did, quarterback. Did you not try to match his salary? Did you try to talk <laughs> him out of leaving? We did. We did. There's a certain level of difference, though, in the, the, the draw of being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I think he made the wrong decision, man. Well, I mean, you tell him. <laughs> no, no, I think he's all right. Let me. Okay, how about Russell Wilson? Do you think... I mean, is this out of line? Do you think that he's going to start in 2024? I think he could, yeah. I, there will could, be enough teams. Right? Good. He, well, he we're played. talking about a guy who was a lock for a Hall of Fame like, right. a few minutes ago. No, it is crazy. I mean, the, the, the drop-off in his performance and his standing has been amazing over the last couple of years. But he played pretty well this season. It just clearly wasn't going to be a fit with Sean Payton. And I think they made that decision quite early in the process. And there was nothing Wilson really could have done to win that job back. I mean, did this guy's brand, this guy's play, everything about him was unquestioned. Well, not everything, but in terms of that drop-off, how do you explain that? I mean, there's going to be slippage, there's going to be a drop-off, and then there's going off the mountain altogether and having a rookie call you a sack of potatoes. Like, how do you explain that drop-off? It's crazy. I mean, with all these things, it's a bunch of factors happening at the same time, right? Changing environment, uh, the league defenses started to change in, at the same time in a way that was going to cause his game problems anyway. You know, his, his game was always run around behind the line of scrimmage, manufacture a deep shot play, and that was what everybody was taking away with these Vic Fangio schemes and two high coverage shells and let's take away explosive plays. So his game was going to need to change anyway, and then you add in shipping to a different team and, and, all the, and Nathaniel Hackett and everything that went wrong there. There. All of it at the same time was what really drove his play off a cliff. Sam Monson joining us right now. Sam, I like the way you operate on the X platform where you're interactive and you talk to people. I'm curious what the Steeler fans are saying <laughs> to you because on my, you're laughing already because on this show, I can tell you right now, they're not happy. They're not happy about anything. They're not happy that Mike Tomlin is staying and they're not happy or not leaving and they're not happy that Arthur Smith is coming in. I think Arthur Smith is a really interesting fit. What do you think about that fit and what do you think that means to the team and the offense? I'd love to tell you 
what Steelers fans think, but unfortunately, I think I finally muted all of Pittsburgh from, from my timeline. So I finally, finally reached that point. Um, yeah, Arthur Smith is a fascinating because uh, he's not bad, right? It would be easy if he was just a terrible coach with a bad scheme that didn't work, and you could just say, let's move on, go in a different direction. He's not a bad coach. He's a good coach, but he has this crazy sort of fascination with hitting you with the thing you're least expecting, right? You've got four amazing players over here, and so this guy's going to be the one that I'm going to design the offense for, and he's the guy that's going to hit you with the sucker punch. It's like sometimes you're just trying to overthink this too much. Or, look, I love the guy. I love the guy. I don't want to get on the wrong side of angry Arthur. I mean, I love the guy. Is any part of that just trying to show, hey, man, I am smarter than you. I am the smartest guy in the room. Because, by the way, he might be. But is that what that is? I don't know if it's that or if it's just, you know, it's the last thing they'll be expecting. So it'll work the most. Like, yeah, but sometimes it's the last thing they're expecting for a reason. Because you have Bijan and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. That's what they're expecting because they're better. <laughs> Sam Monson joining me for another moment or two. What about Dan Quinn? Clearly not Washington's first choice. Hell, not their second choice. Maybe not even their third or fourth choice. But it doesn't mean it won't work. It could do you think it will? Do you like the hire? Or frankly, did they just settle? A bit of both, really. I think they did settle. I mean, that's clear. It wasn't, like you said, it wasn't their first choice, their second. But he's a good coach. And I think if you look at Atlanta team, one of the things that jumps out about that group was look at the coaching staff around him. He had a lot of very, very good coaches. Part of that was he had Kyle Shanahan, right? So you had like the Shanahan tree under him on that side of the ball. But if he's able to do that again and, you know, really build a staff together, that's part of the battle. And he had a lot of success in Atlanta before it went wrong. You know, I was talking before you came on the air that I have not met one person or spoken to one person yet this week that's taking the Niners. It's insane. The line's not moving. The line is right there at plus two for KC. What do you make of the matchup? Almost nothing ever lives up to the hype. Do you think this will? And how do you think the game goes on Sunday? It's crazy. The line came out initially, and I was like, did we not just watch this happen <laughs> right. already? It, Why? it started at two and a half, right? Right. And then it moved very briefly, and then it's just stayed there. And it's like we just saw what happened when you doubt Patrick Mahomes playoff Mahomes against a, you know, a favorite team. He goes and gets it done anyway, and we've learned nothing. And we're going to do it all over again. I'm with everybody else. I, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm with everybody else too, but isn't that normally a mistake? When everybody goes one way, don't we, aren't we supposed to go the other way? Yes. And doesn't that usually work? Yes. Except sometimes everybody's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? yeah. Right? And this is the time. I'm not <laughs> buying it. I refuse to believe that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is going to let us all down. All right, one last thing. What about Mike Vrabel? He didn't get that gig in Washington. How did he not get that gig? In fact, how did he get fired in the first place? I, I think he's, he's now been the victim of this kind of narrative, which is he can't work well with others, right? And I think if you look at where it went wrong in Tennessee, largely it was a personnel problem. And the guy that was responsible for the personnel was previously fired. We'd already made that determination that this was not Vrabel's fault. It was somebody else, the guy, you know, finding the ingredients. And then it just feels like the relationship between him and the owner sort of soured, and now he's being labeled as, well, he just can't, he can't make it work with anybody. He's not the guy you want running the organization. Yeah, I think that is the guy, though, that you want coaching your team. In fact, yes. I know that. Sam, for those who don't know, where do the listeners and viewers find PFF? PFF.com or the PFF NFL podcast, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, awesome. Sam, really appreciate it. Great to come together. I appreciate your time and the insight. Love the site and really good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was fun. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. 
Now, I, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? I'm talking about Robbie Gold. Robbie, clearly one of us is an L.A. native and one of us played 11 years in Chicago. What's up, dude? How you How feeling, you? man? I got to take you on the road with me. That was a pretty good introduction there. Yeah, it was a I good introduction. It. But I'm, look at this, dude. You're like short sleeves, comfortable. Yeah, it's all you know, good. Chicago weather. I'm you know? layered up. Like, <laughs> you know, somebody said, Dave, hey, Rome, are you in the Soviet Union or are you in Vegas? All right, let me ask you this. So many athletes, I talk about this all the time, so many athletes get to retire, but they never get to go out on their own terms. Do you feel like you were able to do so and what has the transition been like for you since you announced your retirement from the game yeah i mean listen would i've loved to play a little bit longer absolutely um but i thought you know my wish list of things that i needed to continue to play um based on family scenarios and, and playing situations for my legacy uh it just you know we got phone calls every week to go play um but the way the league's going and just, they're going young and they're going cheap and um for me it was always about and going you're to, neither bro it was always about going to a contender, right? It was always about going to a place where I felt like um, I didn't have to travel back and forth, coast to coast. I could be there for my kids, and you know, um, so it just never really happened. And and for me, I was confident and comfortable uh, making that decision. It was a long decision that, that that it took me to get to that point in the process. Um, but I'd say that uh, retirement's been uh, awesome. Um, finding a schedule has been difficult just because you're so used to that routine. To explain that, I've never met an athlete who did not say that in some shape or form. I mean, your entire life, you have routine, you have structure, you have schedule, you know exactly where you have to be. I'm not saying you don't have a lot that you want to get done or you're doing, but what happens when you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you don't have to be there or do this? Yeah, it was interesting because I still kept my same schedule because I was trying to keep myself ready for that opportunity. Then I announced retirement. Then it's like, oh, wait, I don't have to work out at a certain time. I don't have to go kick I don't have to do this so I think just trying to find that balance for 22 years you know I've always had a schedule of have to go to a class in college here's the lift here's the practice time same thing with the NFL grind um, and that was a 12-month commitment so you know just trying to find that balance uh, you, you know I drop my kids off every morning to school um, what's that like man it's awesome you know uh, my kids go to two different schools so I get to spend time with my two older boys uh, when I drop them off and then I get to take my youngest to his school and we usually jam out to some music and get to spend some time talking about, you know, a little bit of everything. And, you know, there's times when I, I would drive to school and my kids would ask, hey, Dad, does your legs still work? Kind of thing. <laughs> your legs and, still work. And, and, you know, I think, like, it's because I wasn't playing. They were used to seeing that. They didn't know any better. Um, so, you know, it's been great to be able to spend that time and, you know, looking forward to, you know, broadcasting opportunities and coaching my kids. Robbie Gold joining us. Tell me I'm wrong, but 
I would imagine on some of those drives to school, you get more out of your kids in certain five or seven minute blocks than you could have in five months, right? At work. 100%. Like it's amazing, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and here's the thing kids don't lie. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, there's no they filter. Do, but <laughs> you some know? do. Yeah, there's no filter, though. Like they say what's on their mind. And I think what's really cool is, you know, when you pick them up, you know how they're. Like, you know, there's times in a kid's life where you know exactly where you can spend the most time to get. Sorry to interrupt. How old are your kids? Uh, 10, 6, and 8. And, okay. you know, the first question I ask them when they get out of uh, school is, how was your day? What was your best part? What was, you know, your least favorite part? So. You know, that's, to me, the most time where you can spend to kind of change their life. And then um, we come home and we start doing homework. And I'll tell you what, doing math homework with trying to solve the problem and actually writing a paragraph on how you did it is way different than when we grew up. No, there's no doubt about that. I can remember what it was like when I tried to do it myself. I wasn't going to take any shot at trying to do theirs or help them with theirs. Robbie Gold joining me. Robbie, I don't want to lose track of this fact. Like, we're talking about what it was like when your career ended, but your career was so incredible when you consider where you started. When you graduated high school, what were you like as a football player, and what kind of a future did you expect for yourself in football? Well, I was 150 pounds soaking wet. Uh, I walked on to Penn State. Uh, you know, I was undrafted in the NFL. Everything I've ever done in my career was all, always about hard work and earning it. Um, and I knew that I, I'm a competitor. I played a bunch of sports um, growing up, and I knew that if I would just go and work hard enough and compete, I'm mentally tough enough that I could beat anybody. Uh, and I think the big thing for me is I, I had an awesome opportunity to go learn from Adam Vinatieri, who's one of the best kickers of all time in New England. And Bill Belichick, situational football, Brad Seeley, uh, special teams coach. If I wasn't there, I don't know that the trajectory of my career, because I went from a three- How long were you there? I was there for five months, four months. And, you know, I went from a three-step kicker to a two-step kicker. Had I never made that change, I don't think my career would have been what it was. So, in short, your five months with the Patriots changed the entire trajectory of your entire career. Of my entire career. And, so, what about Vin- – okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. And we were undrafted, right? So, we, it would have been Detroit, Pittsburgh, or New England. And ultimately, I went to New England because I felt, one, I would learn the most. But, two, they just won a Super Bowl. So, if teams are looking to take somebody off a roster, that's the roster they're going to look to take off of. So, you go to a team with Adam Vinatieri, who was the best in the game, one of the best to ever do it. I mean, this guy did not have to help you. Did he? Uh, and, what, he was, and what's that say about him he, if he did? He was awesome. You know, I had Josh Miller and Lonnie Paxton there, too. I had three really good vets. Other than them having me make uh, chocolate chip cookies for them during training <laughs> camp at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn every night, uh, the experience that I learned from them was pretty amazing. Robbie Gold joining us. You mentioned one of the separations or separators you had was your mental toughness. How did you go about developing mental toughness? Well, I think a lot of it comes to preparation. You know, you look at the week, I knew exactly what the returner would do from if I set the tee on a certain hash, uh, how he was going to, you know, shade a certain side of the field so I could get away because I wasn't the strongest guy. I could kick the ball on the right hash to the left side of the field and gain hang time and distance. And, um, you know, personnel-wise, you knew what the situations were for plus 50 kicks. Uh, Field goal block, you knew who they're... Uh, established rusher off the edge was so if he was really good you could move uh, a half of the hash uh, to give yourself more room and you know you went through every situation you could so that Sundays would be a lot easier all right so when you left the Patriots you were there five months you go to Baltimore and that was at a time when Deion Sanders and Ed Reed were hosting weekly rookie dinners what were those meals like well it was really cool when I got there uh, those two guys came up and were like hey we're going to take the rookies 
to this soul food restaurant in Baltimore. And they would just talk to you about life, how it was to make it in the NFL, what the grind was, how this was important or that was important. Um, and Dion was really a guy that, and Ed too, uh, was a guy that I kind of like shaped some of the things that we would talk about there. It was only there for a month. Um, but those meetings and those gatherings were awesome because we ended up taking those to Chicago and taking them to other places I was at just to have guys get together. Robbie, let me ask you about Chicago before I ask you about what you're here to talk about. You took a three-week contract. You turned that into an 11-season run in Chicago. Kicking is tough enough no matter what, but having to do so in Chicago for the Bears in those elements is something totally different. What was that like? Well, here's what I'll tell you. My entire career, when I thought I went to San Francisco, I was like, oh, it's going to be beautiful, not much wind. <laughs> it actually turned out to be the hardest place I kicked, and I think uh, the interesting. Nice the nice part about being in Chicago is, you know, it wasn't like the field was always great. It wasn't like the conditions were always perfect. And it, and it really shaped my career to understand that if you want to kick in the NFL, you have to be consistent and you have to learn how to kick in those elements. So you go play in Green Bay as a San Francisco 49er in the playoffs and it's zero degrees. I'm like, this is that's what I used to do, right? It wasn't something where you played in 60 degree weathers in college or in a dome. And the next thing you know, you're like, what is this? You know, so. Um, you know, Chicago has always been a place where, I, you know, I've had a lot of people help me shape my career, um, learn a lot about who I was as a player and as a person, and uh, I'll always be thankful for that opportunity. Um, just wish we would have finished uh, winning the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning and the Colts huh. uh, there. And same thing for uh, San Francisco against the Chiefs. At least they get a chance to maybe redeem themselves. Robbie Gold joining us. So you're working with DiGiorno this week. What's it all about? What are you doing with those folks? Yeah, it's pretty cool. For the second straight year, uh, DiGiorno Pizza, they are, uh, and this is a bad word in Chicago, obviously, um, but if the... Uh, ball doinks off an upright or the crossbar <laughs> i know terrible I word you, in dude. chicago i, I see you um, they're gonna give uh, everyone a chance if they register at uh .com, uh to win free pizza so as a kicker i'm hoping that it doinks and goes in <laughs> it's tremendous you know before you go i've talked to kickers over the years i'm always fascinated by the mentality how would you describe your mindset i mean we've touched on this but your general mindset over the course of your entire career what was it well i think it was always about you know worrying about being in the moment make that one kick at a time and if i missed i was usually pretty beat up about it because i know that you know in the national football league that one kick you know whether it's in a playoff game or regular season or for this betting spreads in the fantasy football that you see now. Um, it's, it's such a big deal to winning and losing that I think, um, you know, you'd have to start a new streak and you try to take that streak for as long as you could. Sometimes you'd kick 30 in a row. Sometimes you might kick one in a row. Uh, but the reality was it was always about living in the moment. What are the chances that Sunday comes down to a kick? Uh, I think this game could be one of the best Super Bowls in the history of the NFL. Uh, if you look at these two teams, uh, they're built pretty similarly with a lot of talent at the skilled position. Defensive line, they're both really solid. Um, I think it could be a special teams play, whether it be a kick or a punt return like you saw against Philly last year, uh, that really tips the scale in the favor of one team or the other. Who do you like? <laughs> uh, this is a tough question because I know the Kansas City Chiefs have never beaten, or sorry, the 49ers have never uh, beaten the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid under Kyle Shanahan's tenure. Um, I do think that the 49ers are built this this year differently on defense um, through the defensive line. They acquired a couple guys uh, throughout the season to give them more depth there. I'm going to take uh, you know I'm going to take the uh, 49ers uh, because they're I know what they're built for. I think this is their moment. 
Um, but it's hard to go against Mahomes and the Chiefs and what they've been able to do against you know, this You're, the, you're the first person, I think I've asked that question of maybe a half a dozen people on air. You're the first one to pick the 49ers, which is shocking to me because the number is still 49ers minus two. I don't know what that is. I, I think it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Right? You, how do you bet against the guy? You know, he's, he's... We do, and we keep losing. <laughs> yeah, as I say, you just, you just... Every time people think... If you look at how their season went, they, they didn't really have a rhythm in the beginning of the season. Now they're starting to play with, I consider, Chiefs football. Uh, their defensive line is doing an amazing job of creating pressure. Uh, I just think it's really hard to bet against Mahomes, but I think this is going to be an epic game. I was going to say, most of all, let's hope for an epic game, and I think we're going to get that. Robbie, it's great to get caught up. I really appreciate you. Appreciate having a chance to talk to you. Good luck with everything, and I appreciate that conversation. Thanks for having us. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. He is Michael Brockers. Mike, it is always good to chop it up with you. Always good to see you, big dude. What's up, man? How are you? Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. They keep letting me come back. And by the way, dude, how do you beat this? Man, you can't beat this. You can't beat this you at all. You understand that? Yeah, man. When I grow that? up, I hope I can block a whole sidewalk and push the <laughs> pedestrians in the street, <laughs> you <dude>. know? <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> I got nothing to do with that. This is a CBS thing, but I appreciate you saying it. Hey, listen, for the better part of three decades, I've been posted up on Radio Row. In fact, all yesterday, mm -hmm. I kept going back to what I know, like live from Radio Row, but I'm not on Radio Row. You yesterday went to Radio Row. Yes, sir. I want to know what the experience was like for you, and what am I missing this year by being out here? Man, it, it was crazy, and this year was my first year getting some space, and you know, I, I've done Radio Row plenty of times as an athlete, you know, going to each table and hitting, you know, doing as many interviews as, as I can. And this year having my own space, you know, getting people to come on my show, it was a little different, um, you know, perspective. And, you know, I'm just excited, man. I'm really excited. I'm taking it all in. Last year I was a little nervous um, doing the Super Bowl, but this year I'm taking it all Were in. Were you, dude? Yes, sir. I was. I, mean, I, I mean, was. You, you, you know me. You are an elite athlete. You have been on the biggest stage in the world. Were you nervous last year nervous, doing this? Nervous, man. This is this journalism, this side of, of the game is, is nervous. You, you got to be able to uh, accept the rejection. I don't know how you guys do that where, you know, you're asking the guy a question and he kind of like, doesn't even acknowledge you, you it's know. It's the life, so, dude. It's man, the life. Nah, it's, it's hard getting used to that. It's hard getting used to that. Michael Brocker is joining me right here on our set. So let me ask you, like, you, it's not, it's no surprise to me whatsoever. You and I have talked so much over the years. Mm -hmm. I'm not at all surprised that you're hosting your own podcast and your own show. Here is my question. How are you approaching the content game? What is your process like? Um, my process, I'm taking the, the, the humanizing the athlete approach um, because we, we get put on this pedestal so much and, you know, people build us up so much they they almost forget that we're human we deal with not you know normal human um emotions um things that go on in our life you know um losing loved ones things like that that we have to deal with and also play and i think for people forget that um we're human at at the same time i know we're gladiators and people see us on sunday but we also are dealing with things too so i'm focusing more on um what the guys are doing outside the field you know uh what what is important to them um on the other side, you know, uh, un, off, you know, without the helmet, you know. 
So here's the question. What wins? You know, I, I think about mm -hmm. this a lot as somebody who's been in the content game right now. What wins? Are you trying mm -hmm. to be the guy who goes viral? Are you trying to be the guy who beefs to get clicks? Mm -hmm. Or are you trying to let people inside the helmet? Does it all win? Have mm -hmm. you thought about this? What wins in content now? I'm going to be honest with you. Because the game is, like you said, it's what wins. Do I really want to talk about football all day? No. I'm a, I, I've been I've been there, done that, you know? Me, I want to be authentic. You know, I want, I want people to know the real side of me, the athletes and the guests who I'm, uh, who I'm interviewing and things like that. So I don't want to have a approach where I'm just trying to get clicks and I'm trying to do what's trending. No, I want to be authentic to my audience and, and hope that my audience appreciates that. Michael Brocker is joining us as an example. One of the reasons you're good at this, you are authentic, you mm -hmm. are real, you are transparent, and you can tell a story. Mm -hmm. My only, here's some advice. Mm -hmm. Stories work, man. Stories mm -hmm. win. Stories mm -hmm. always win. You've got mm -hmm. great stories. You tell the story about that signing bonus you got as a rookie. Mm -hmm. For those who do not know, how does that work? Do they scratch you a fat check, or does that just go into your account? How does that work? People think you get that money off rip. You sign that contract, and you don't see that money for three weeks. You don't see that money until, you know, they want it. When to did hit you start account. spending it, dude? Um, Right, right immediately. Why, why before, wait? Before, <laughs> you waited your whole life for it. Before you saw it, did you start spending it? No, not at all. I, okay. I wanted to wait till I have, had it in my account, and, you know, I wanted to do what what I wanted to do, which uh, I paid for my mom a house and got that done. That was very important to me, but, you know, it took Stop a little right while there, to get dude. that money. When you consider how many sacrifices moms made for you on the way up, can you explain the feeling of mm. what it was like to buy her a house? Man, when you see your mom, you know, and my mom was a single single mother, you know, raised, you know, in that household, and seeing how hard she worked for us. I, I was, uh, I'm the oldest of five. I had to help out a lot, and just seeing the sacrifices she made for us, you know, buying that home for her, Knowing that she had somewhere to call home and settled and nobody can take that away from her was an ex experience I could, can't, you know, talk about really. It's tough, right? It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Well, what was it like growing up being you? Did you feel like you carried a certain responsibility because mm. you were special? There were mm. people counting on you. Now, mm. you got a village, right? People are supporting you, mm. but they're counting on you. How much mm. pressure did you feel like, man, I got to be the one to bust out. I got to get out. I got to take care of generations. That's a lot of pressure for a young person. Right. Um, it's all about the choices you make, man. You know, I, I, I strive myself to make the good choices, the right choices, not not do what everybody else was doing. My mom did a good, a good job at, you know, making me understand that you don't have to follow the crowd. You know, you know the, her famous saying, one person jump off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge? <laughs> so, you know, my thing was, you know, not not being a trendy guy, uh, you know, going off on my own road, but making the right decisions, making, you know, thinking about my family when it comes to um, making a choice or anything like that. So I, I strive myself on making the right choices. We're talking to Michael Brockers. You know, when you and I spoke on my podcast recently, we talked about the time that you spent with the Lions. Mm -hmm. And when you got there, obviously, that, that's a franchise that was so beaten down, that mm -hmm. endured so much losing for so long. Then Dan Campbell comes in. You were a vet that was there. How did you help to change that culture there? Because if that team was still scarred from mm -hmm. Matt Patricia and all mm -hmm. those years of losing, mm -hmm. what could you do? How did you impact the change in culture? Um, I, I was that bridge between Dan and the guys, you know, um, Dan came in, you know, and running a team is hard because you, you have to make these guys believe in what you're preaching. And I think I was that bridge between the players and the coaches, getting the uh, players to understand that, yes, this it, it might be hard now, but these are player coaches. And when they fully understand that, you know, we need to take care of our body and things like that. They'll hear, our, hear us out, but we can't go out there just expecting it to be easy. You know, we have to trust in the process, buy into it, and then once you get what 
we want out of it, you'll see why we've been doing all this hard work. All right, so when you see the success that they had this season, mm. you were not with them mm. this season, but did you mm. feel like you had equity in that? And how much pride was there for you to see the success that team had and how far it's come? Man, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, it was crazy because I, I was uh, sending, you know, congrats to, a, you know, a lot of guys on the team after, you know, just seeing their run. They won versus the Rams, so I, I definitely gave uh, Jerry the shout-out. And I text one of the coaches just saying, man, I'm, you know, congrats. And he sent me, he was like, bro, it's still resemblance of you still here. And that, hmm. that kind of touched how'd that, me. Dude, how'd that feel? That, that, that kind of touched me because um, – you know, that was my purpose. That was my purpose. That's what they brought me there. They 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 wanted me to be there to start that culture, build that culture up, and, and be the foundation that leads them on in the future. And I was just happy to see them um, be successful and know that I had a little uh, part of, of that foundation building there. Yeah, More than a little part. Michael Brocker is joining me. So the flip side of that is... I got to ask, man, watching them go out to that gigantic first half lead, seeing it evaporate and all slip away, man, what was it like for you to watch that and seeing it unfold, knowing, frankly, what was going to happen? It was crazy. I was watching it uh, at, at, at my lounge in Houston, and, um, you know, the guys were like, why, why, why doesn't he take the points? Why doesn't he take the points? And I was like, How do you man, answer that? Should he, it, it, and should he have? No, no. I think you go out on your shield. Why change who you are? You know, and I, I've seen a lot of players say that, and, and we know. We know that Dan is going to do that. We we know on third down, if it's short, one to two, and he feels like he's going to get it, defense be ready because you, you never know. He's going to go for that fourth down. So um, go out on your shield. Don't change who you are. Go out on your shield, and that's what he did. And, you know, you got to live and die by that, you know. Michael Brocker's joining us. Mike, i got to ask you something. I was thinking about you last night, mm -hmm. and then something hit me, and I got a huge grin. And I'm not the smiliest guy in the world, but this straight up made me laugh and made me smile. I want to ask you about a guy that I loved that I haven't thought about. Okay, talk to us. The legend. Cortland Finnegan, dude. Come on, man. Oh my god, dude, I love this guy, right? You know where I'm going. Yeah. You know what I'm Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, no, that's that's OG. That's OG to the fullest, man. The, the OG, I want you to explain in a minute why he is, but I want to ask you about something in particular. There's a famous prank involving, and you you knew him when you were with the Rams uh -huh. when you came up. A famous prank involving teammates and their rigs, dude, their cars. What happened? Uh-huh. I mean, we have a couple of them. Uh the 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 one I got all day, bro. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know where Chris is, but uh, you know, Chris Long was was one of my bets when I was at at the Rams, and him and Will Hayes and a lot of these guys, and uh, James Laurinaitis. He's uh, was our linebacker, middle linebacker at the time. Um, he he gets a new Q8 or some the new Audi Audi car. Um, you know, had to Chris be proud of it. Ha had to be proud of it, right? So Chris decides, hey, let's go ruin his new car. Let's go put a million crickets and bubble wrap around his car and put it in a and put it in a um in the in an indoor waiting for him, right? And this is a this is a kicker to this story, right? So Lord Knight is just pissed. So he's like going to everybody, he's going to security, he's like, Who did this to my car? I wanna find him and I wanna find him now. You know, so we find the footage of uh, whoever did it, right? <laughs> the guys who did it. And, um, you know, they look, you know, they're doing that. And after they finish their prank, you know, they look up and the camera's like looking him right in the face. And you can see them all look at the camera and they go, <laughs> like, hey, like we're caught. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> man, that, that, those guys were hilarious. They, I, I love those vets, man. That, that was, those were teams uh, to remember.
I mean, Cortland, and by the way, dude, what an irritant. Man, this dude was under everybody's skin, in everybody's head. And by the way, one of my favorite dudes, he was so funny. Yes. But he can play now. Yes, he yeah, can yeah, play yeah. now, oh, yeah. right? Come on now. Come on. He can play. He can play. He was tough. He was one of those, the first, you know, the start of like the short corners that were playing against the 6'4 receivers and still getting in there with him and still fighting as much as they could. So, yeah, he he, he was one of the, laid the foundation of uh, those, those short corners still being able to fight in there. Yeah, I'm glad that you remember mm -hmm. him that way, man. I got to say, yes, he is so great. Before you go, I talked to RG3 mm -hmm. recently, and he, he said to me, I stay ready. I take care of myself. I think I could still help somebody. Mike, you look great. Mm -hmm. Do you stay ready? Is the game completely out of your system? Or is there a part of you that thinks, I know I could help somebody mm -hmm. and I would do it again if I could? Um, it, it would just have to be the right situation. I'm, I'm honest with you. Uh, you know, the game, watching the game now is, you know, it, as a fan, it's like, man, you know, these guys go out here and really put their bodies on the line, man. And I watch it as a fan, just, just them throwing their bodies on the ground. I'm like, that ground is undefeated. It's not losing. It's not losing. Dude, You're it's losing. never even trailed. <laughs> right? So, you know, seeing those guys put their bodies on I'm the line. I'm taking the ground and yeah. laying the points, dude. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. It's undefeated. But, um, yeah, seeing those guys put their bodies on the line, you, you really have to think about, hey, if I, if I do this, it has to be for the right team. It has to be for the right coach. It has to be for the right organization. Hey, quickly, you mentioned the lounge. I had invested in a number of restaurants. I don't know how to put this for daytime TV. Man, I got my ass kicked. It's a hard, hard business. How's the lounge? It's going well. It's doing well. 2024 is doing well. You know, January was great, awesome. It's starting to pay for itself. So, you know, whenever good, dude, whenever good. the business starts to pay for itself, man, you're, in the, you're going on, in the right. Man. Yes, sir. You're going in the right direction. Yes, sir. Mike, I appreciate you. I appreciate all of our conversations. I know we will have more. Good luck with the next phase of your life, man. I love the energy, and it's always good yes, to see you. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, Bob. You're the Thanks best, for having me. You're the yes, best. Sir. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Jones. Mike, great to finally do this in person. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Really good to see you, bro. Really yes, good to see you. All right, so you, I think, hit on this perfectly in a column that you wrote for The Athletic yesterday. The NFL season is grueling. You've got training camps, which get underway in July. You've got an 18-week, 272-game marathon, 12 more playoff games, and it finally comes down to this. Never mind playing or coaching, just as a journal covering it all. How does it feel to finally be here, dude? Uh, you know, it, it feels like the season started a long time ago, but at the same time, it went really fast. There are so many things to be mindful of, schedules and availability and everything like that. Your head's spinning a little bit, but, you know, the end is almost in sight. We're almost there to the finish line. All right, so Mike Jones joining us. Mike, there's so many compelling storylines. Let me start with this. Legalized sports betting has translated into enormous revenue for the league as well, of course. What is the league, though, telling the players about being in casinos this week? They're not allowed to have they're not allowed to be in casinos. They're not allowed to do any kind of betting or anything like that. And not just the players, league employees as well. Basically, I was told they're told, don't even look at a slot machine. Uh, no betting of any kind, not just on games. Stay away. Mike Jones joining us. So if the league is telling teams that, what are teams telling their players? Like, we've done this long enough to know one of the biggest talking points in any given Super Bowl week is, hey, man, be smart. It's a business trip. There are so many distractions. Do not get hooked. Look around you, Mike. We yeah. know there are more distractions here than anywhere in the world. What are teams telling their players? Well, they plan this thing out months and months in advance. So they're not even staying downtown. They're about 40 minutes away where their team headquarters are set up, hoping to kind of minimize distractions. And like, like you said, this is a business trip. 
as the veterans on these teams are telling the younger guys, hey, we can have fun after this. Right now, we need to stay locked in. Keep your nose clean. Don't go anywhere you're not supposed to go. Be back in your room at the right time, and let's get prepared for this game so nothing deters us from our goals. All right, so, Mike, what about the game itself? It looks like a great, great matchup on play on paper. What about on the field itself? What are you expecting? I I'm expecting a really good chess match. You have two of the best offensive minds in the game in Andy Reid for the Chiefs and Kyle Shanahan. Excuse me, dude. Is that any good? That's We're talking cool. about the fountains behind us. You, you didn't want me interrupting your flow. Sorry about that, bro. Go ahead. No, that's all right. It's pretty cool. You know? It's really cool, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been on Radio Row in a giant concrete box for 30 years, man. I'm kind of into this. Yeah, exactly. This is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and this is my first time in Vegas. I haven't seen this. You know, I saw this in Ocean's stop, 11, right? Stop, stop, so, stop. Dude, you have never been to Vegas. There's no basketball team here, and there's <laughs> no football team until just now. You know? L so. Literally, you've never experienced this except for Ocean's 11. Exactly. No wonder you stopped. Yeah, So exactly. what's it like so, in person? It, it's pretty impressive um you know the music starts playing and everything like that yeah feel like we're on a movie. i think we all remember our first trip to vegas is it living up to the hype so far i again for you it's a business trip yeah. but is it living up to the hype well i just got i landed yesterday and went straight to the press conferences so i haven't even gotten to see much i was writing since six o'clock this morning so this is my first you know i've come out of that box too um, and it's pretty crazy, pretty impressive. All right, so we were talking about the game, but let me do what I'm supposed to do and follow you. You covered the presser last night. What was your biggest takeaway from what you saw last night? Um, I think just experience really matters. Um, the veterans on this team, as far as the Chiefs go, a lot of those guys, they've been here. They were here last year. This doesn't seem like it's anything that's too big for them. They know the routines. They know how to prepare. Now, there are some guys that are on the 49ers who were not. A lot of guys who weren't on the team when they were in the Super Bowl and lost to the uh, Chiefs in 2019. So some of those guys who are there are trying to tell the young guys, hey, look, this is what you have to be mindful of. There's a lot of distractions. Um, don't play the game before the game is played is what um, uh, one of the young guys was told. What do they mean by that? That's a great line. If you were in your head and you were psyching yourself up and thinking about, oh, we got to do this, I got to do this, and what, by the time you get to the game, you're psyched out, you're mentally exhausted, and so like, just focus on practice today, focus on the meetings, keep it all simple, so that way, then when the game comes, you're primed and not, you know, you haven't psyched yourself out. It might be easy for anybody to say, but how do you not make it bigger than it is when it's the biggest freaking thing in the world? Yeah, I think that's where it comes to where they are world-class athletes, and, you know, that's what differentiates between the guys who are going to play great on Sunday and the guys who are going to make a lot of mistakes. Those guys who can just lock in. Kyle Shanahan hadn't even, I said, look, you could be the first father-son duo to ever win a Super Bowl. What would that mean? Also, last time 49ers won a Super Bowl, your dad was the offensive coordinator in 94 and you were a teenager. What would it mean? He was like, oh, I haven't thought of it. You know, he's just focused on preparing Co his Coaches team. are famous for not yeah. knowing anything right. outside that radius, <laughs> that four-by-four exactly. four box in front of them, right? Right, right. And that's what they're trying to get their players to be mindful of as well. Okay, we got meeting at this time. We got meals at this time. We got practice. That's all that matters. Okay, I want to be really responsible on how I phrase this, but social media had a field day with this last night. Did Kyle seem a little loose to you? Um, I don't think he seemed loose. He seemed relaxed. Code for buzzed? I, I don't think so. I, I didn't see it as that. Um, I've known him a long time. He just seemed relaxed, um, you know, kind of like, hey, we're here. I've been here before. Um, I think he's more comfortable. I mean, now, hey, did he, I don't know if he, you know, took a shot or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I didn't observe that when I was talking to him, um, you know. 
Again, you. we're right there in the moment. There are times when I tweet something in games and people have seen 25 replays and they tell you you're an idiot. But everybody else has times. Every time we every time we post anything on the X, we yeah. get that. Yeah, hey, that's part of the world we live in right now. Yep. In fact, Mike Jones joining us. Mike, I think I buried the lead. In fact, I know I did. I should have gotten to the most important aspect of this matchup altogether. The second you sat down. Is Taylor Swift going to be able to make it from her concert in Tokyo to the Super Bowl? And how stressed are you personally as to whether or not she makes it in time for the kickoff? Well, my daughter will be very happy to see the, like, 30 seconds of flashes of Taylor Swift. Um, You know, but we'll see. The Japanese embassy released a statement saying, hey, she's going to leave at this time. It's a, you know, however many hour flight, she will be there well in advance. So I don't think her people are worried, it sounds like. Relax, Swifties. She's going to be there to cheer on her guy, Travis Kelsey. We're talking to Mike Jones. So, Mike, let me ask you this. For those, speaking of the Chiefs, for those who are not paying close attention, how did they go about rebuilding their defense? And not just rebuilding it, but turning it into a juggernaut. How much credit goes to the D coordinator, Steve Spagnolo, And how much goes to the GM, Brett Veach? A lot of pre- uh, credit goes to Brett Veach because, look, they had older guys. Um, and they also had some young guys that maybe didn't quite fit. Remember, a couple years ago, they had to score 30 points to win every single game. Now they've brought in young guys. They've drafted guys specific to their need, exactly the type of system they want. They've gotten some decent bargain bin type of you know veteran guys that have fit really well. And, yes, with Chris Jones as the centerpiece of that defense and people play off of him, their defense is nasty now. They have held teams to 13.7 points a game in the playoffs, which is number one. They were number two in the league this year. So this team has really evolved from what we saw when they won their first Super Bowl. It's pretty impressive. It is really impressive. Mike Jones joins me for a few more moments. You hear him on the show frequently. It's the first time we sat down together personally. You had something on the X, a really interesting post, I thought, where former Bills offense coordinator Ken Dorsey ends up with the Browns, and he says that Deshaun Watson is, quote, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He then says he looks forward to the opportunity to help him go out and prove that. Also a quote, Mike, is there any reason to believe that Deshaun Watson is still, quote, one of the top quarterbacks in the league and that Dorsey is going to be able to help either him, himself, or Deshaun? You change the narrative. Yeah, it's very interesting to me because, you know, you see all the time mediocrity rewarded in the NFL. And Ken Dorsey's a guy who just got fired. He had the most talented guy that he could ever have outside of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And he wasn't able to position him for success. Now, as a quarterback's coach, he was okay. As a play caller, he was not. Now, he did do well with Cam Newton um, as a quarterback's coach. um, And Josh Allen is that. But he didn't have a good feel for establishing the run, for being able to take pressure off of their quarterback. And again, like you say, is Deshaun Watson, who's basically, you know, what we've seen is a shell of the guy that we saw down at Houston when he was MVP candidate. I don't know that this will work. It's going to be interesting to see how Kevin Stefanski structures this. Is he still going to be the play caller and just have Ken Dorsey as a glorified quarterback's coach? Then maybe that can work. But I think a lot of this is mental with Deshaun Watson. Maybe he's not as fast as he was, but he just doesn't seem to have quite that feel. So maybe Ken Dorsey can help him with that. But again, Ken Dorsey himself didn't show he had a good feel for the game when he was the play caller. So I don't know what your confidence level could be like. I think that's fair. I mean, if he didn't help Josh Allen, how is he going to help Deshaun Watson? Right. Right? Before you go, what about Roger Goodell? He had his annual press conference yesterday. Among other things, he, of course, defended the ref show. He said, quote, they did a great job, and he called them superior. How would you describe the job the refs did this year, and is there anything about them that you would consider superior this year? I do believe these are the best refs in the world, but they are human, and 
every year there are new camera angles, so you and I can see way more than they can. If you've ever refereed a game, you have to go very fast. Split second, I think somebody explained it's like 1.2 seconds to make up your mind. And so what they need to do, and Goodell kind of hinted something, give them the technology that they need to help them. So they need to go to a sky judge system where, okay, they're making a call, but if there's something just like the XFL, hey, there's a mistake right there. Radio down, get it fixed. Instead of just relying on a human, because as we see every single game, there's something that they get wrong. They're trying their best, but it's just such a fast-paced game. It's a tough job. Hmm. So, you know, before you go, I could ask you about Patrick Mahomes' legacy if he wins. I could ask you about Andy Reid's legacy if he wins. I want to ask you about somebody else's legacy. Christian McCaffrey, all right? So if he wins this weekend, are we talking about him as one of the best running backs of this generation, or is he already in that conversation without that win? I think he's among the best in this generation, but if he gets a Super Bowl ring, it'll wipe out the question and put him in the discussion for one of the best of all time. Now, he doesn't quite have the yardage and the mileage that some of these guys have. He's had some injuries, and you know, but he's still young. He's still got you know, plenty of football ahead of him. But if you get that Super Bowl ring, the way he is such a threat in the run game, in the pass game, and to get that ring would definitely give him a, an edge and elevate him among some of the best that we've seen in a really long time. My man, you've studied this all year long. You've looked at all the tendencies. You've looked at all the analytics. How are you feeling about this game? What is your lean for Sunday? I've gone back and forth and back and forth, but I'm leaning towards the Chiefs because they've been here before and because of that defense. If that defense can get after Brock Purdy and kind of put some pressure on him, then that really eases pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And as we saw against Baltimore, he didn't have to do a whole lot in the second half. He just had to make the throws, pick up the first downs, extend the drives, because that defense was as nasty as it is. So you know, I was, was going to say, I'm starting to interrupt. I was talking to Michael Lombardi about this. It tells me so much about Mahomes, how unselfish and how smart he is, that he's fine with that. Right. Like, whatever yeah. it takes, right? Exactly. He understands and thinks the game and knows he doesn't have to play hero ball. You know, he just has to play smart. Don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. And he has not done that. And that's where they're What about Purdy? Does Purdy need to play his best game for the 49ers to win this game? He really does. He has to eliminate mistakes. He can't throw the ball away. There's going to be times, just like we saw against Detroit, he's going to have to scramble for some yardage. And really, though, trust his teammates. Put the ball in the hands of his playmakers, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. And trust that defense to make plays behind him. Live to see another day. Don't force the ball and make a big mistake. Mike Jones joining us. My man, I can tell you this. As somebody who's been here before, dude, you have settled in beautifully. For a guy who's making his first trip ever to Vegas, dude, like you didn't blink. The sun is coming out. Thank good God. things, man. Yeah, good I'm things, very dude. happy to see the sun. Dude, so good to see you, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> hey, All thanks the conversations for we've had, and we'll have a million more. Mike Jones, he is Will Brinson. Will, brother, great to see you, dude. How you feeling? Jim, what's up, man? It's good to be here. It's, uh, it's not hot in Las Vegas. But that's okay. Nor is, is it's, it's not hot. It's not dry. But it doesn't suck. It's all good. Oh, it's great. No, it's fantastic out here. Don't right? come at us, man. We're not complaining. No, no, We're no, very no. happy. No one would ever complain about being at the Super Bowl, much less on the strip in Las Vegas at a CBS Super Bowl, also streaming on Paramount Plus, <laughs> if the people didn't know. Well uh, done, but, dude. And by the way, if it, I don't know if anybody out there can get tickets to the Sphere for Fish or Grateful Dead, but I'll, I'll take those. If, anybody's, if any clones are listening, are you, or are dying you, to hand out tickets. Are, are you a fish dude? I'm a fish guy, yeah. More than the dead? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fish before dead, but, but love both. Dude, what are you listening to these days besides the fish and the dead? Uh, I mean, Taylor Swift and Usher on repeat. Of course. Just, uh, again, of course. streaming on Paramount+. Dude, how stressed are you that she's going to make it on time? <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like there's a better, like she has better odds of making it from Tokyo 
to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas than I do for making it to my hotel room to this hit on time. So, I, but, but you, I like you, you make feel it. like I know that's true, dude. What do you mean you feel like that? I yeah, take but, that bet but, all day long. But I, if I can get here, then Taylor can get here. I, I think she'll be all right. I mean, I know John, my, my our colleague John Breach had an article. And I think the Associated Press reported it, but the hardest part for her about getting here uh-huh. is the parking spot for her PJ. Which so it's got to be a real big jet, dude. Yeah, that's and that's, everybody will already be in the parking lot. And, and apparently, but is there not a reserved spot? Apparently, it can't get from. I know, right? Shouldn't there be? Like, didn't Kelsey have some like a like a like? A, doesn't he get a comp spot? That doesn't the NFL? Yeah. Is she not the most important person here this week? She, I mean, come I mean, on. she is. How I do mean, you not clear out the airport for her, dude? On media day yesterday, it was. The only times the place looked crowded the entire time was when Mahomes and Kelsey were next to each other, and they both got peppered the entire time with Taylor Swift questions. Uh huh. And for those who did not see, generally he's not there at the end of games to address that, understandably. How did he deal with that last night? I thought he handled it fine. I mean, he, he talked about it, but kept it kind of low-key. I mean, somebody even asked him if he was going to – is there another ring? on the? Uh, like, If you get this ring, which ring are you more worried about? Clever. The, it's like, yeah, the Super Bowl ring. Yeah, he's like, I think I'm going to focus on the Super Bowl <laughs> ring before I worry about that other ring. Like, any, anybody Will, can did go, you ask that question? I did not, Jim. I was, I, I are mean, you sorry that you didn't ask that question? I, I, Do you I, wish that was your question? A little, a little regrettable, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to see Travis Kelsey's disdain when I asked him if he was going to propose to Taylor Swift. After the Super Bowl, win or lose. <laughs> Will Brinson joining us. Having fun as always. All right, well, let me jump into this. Kyle Shanahan wins a lot of games. But there's this perception that he can't win big games. How fair is that rap? I mean, it's it's fair in the sense that for a period of – this is just what we do. It's fair in the sense that this is what we do. Remember, I mean, before Tom Brady ripped off those three Super Bowls to close out his New England career, there was talk that the Patriots and Tom Brady can't win – Outside of a spy gate. Funny. And he was down 28-3 to Kyle Shanahan. And it looked like it's like, well, here it is again. Tom Brady's going to, like, be done. Jimmy G's going to take over in New England. And this is going to be the end of his run. And instead, you know, you, he, he rips those, those wins off. And we've seen this with Mahomes never got it because he won so fast, right? Aaron Rodgers got it a touch, but he won so fast you never heard it. And it, it's all about winning. The quicker you win, the less pressure you get put on you. But Kyle's got... 28-3. He wasn't even the head coach, but he still gets he still gets right. labeled that because he was such an offensive mastermind for Dan Quinn. He's got the 10-point or 11-point loss to the Chiefs. He's got the 10-point loss that people don't talk about enough with, against Stafford and the Rams. And then he's you know and now he's got this game. There is no no person in Vegas with more pressure on them for this game for Super Bowl 58 than, than Kyle Shanahan. Um, did he, he? He sure didn't seem like he was wearing that last night, though, did he? No, I mean I think. He, you know, he under, he, he's got the fortunate uh, life experience of having his dad, who won two Super Bowls, but won them at the end of his run. You know, won them with, like the final two years of Elway's career. And so his dad went through all of this and understood that it, it, it's hard to win Super Bowls. We are jaded and spoiled by Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes back-to-back ripping off. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is basically two plays away from being in six Super Bowls to start his career. Uh-huh. Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls. I mean, these guys span – like, there, there are a lot of people listening to this show, watching this show on CBS Sports Network that are, like, don't, weren't alive before Tom Brady started playing football. And so you have this 
just guys who just win and win and win, and it's been dominated for 25, 26 years. I mean, well, it's always been this way, but it's never more so than right now. It's so absurd. It's almost like it's better not to get there than to get there and lose it yeah. because then you're a chump. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. If you get if you get there, like, but but that said, this guy has to win this weekend. <laughs> yeah. That said, this right. guy has to win. It'd be like if the Bills in back, in the, back in the 90s got there a fifth time. It's like, right. look, okay, you're, you're better off losing the championship game at this point than you are getting to the Super Bowl. You know, like Kyle, the, the pressure, we, we, we always say we're like, well, let's not make too much of one game, but it is the one game that matters, and we end up making that much. It means that much more once we get further Especially away from it. Especially to him this week. So let me ask you this. The 49ers have started slowly in both playoff games. What do you think that's about? And if they do it again this weekend, will they have any chance? So I think we can kind of look at it in two different ways, right? Look at the Packers' slow start as Kyle kind of screwed up because he game-scripted that whole offensive game plan to Debo Samuel. And when Debo got hurt, they didn't have any answers offensively and had to really kind of rally and figure things out to win that game. And then against Detroit, I just think the Lions were not being given a chance. They were a much better team than people expected. And Kyle maybe again kind of game plan, all right, let's not focus in on Debo because he's banged up. Let's try and run it with Christian McCaffrey. They couldn't get that going. And then you saw them come out in the second half, boom, boom to Debo, two quick plays, and all of a sudden they're right back in the game. So I think it's all about that early scripting because we've seen it. You know, the, the stats are there, and, and I do think Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan are better playing from ahead. I mean, what well, you think? I mean, except for 28 We know this. Right. So I think they got to come out and, and match the scripting early on with the Chiefs because – to me, there's a chance of the Chiefs blowing out the 49ers. There's no chance the 49ers blow out the Chiefs. Interesting. Will Brinson joining us. Go back to Kyle and Brock Purdy for a minute. How much confidence do you think Kyle has in Brock Purdy right now? I think he's got 100% confidence in him. I mean, you look at the stuff that he – you know, we, I, I think back to that the throw from Jimmy G to Emmanuel Sanders in Miami, also on CBS. Missed that throw, right? If he had said throw, they win the Super Bowl. But not screaming on Paramount But Plus. Paramount Plus wasn't a thing. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. amount of entertainment with Let's Knuckles. Sure. And, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm nothing if not a promiscuous company man. Uh, the, uh, You're it, nothing but that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, You're the best, dude. I think, I think Purdy hits that throw. You know, like Purdy's deep ball is so much better than Jimmy G's. And if he hits that throw, they win this. You know, so I think Kyle believes in, in a weird the kind of effed up way he got, he got here, right? Like a twisted way he got this here. This is not your podcast, dude. No, know your room. Remember <laughs> sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm not going to cuss You don't have to apologize to me, man. I'm but, just looking out for your career and your no, livelihood. No, no. I want to make sure you can still put food on the table. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I think I need a little bit less these days. But yeah, I think I think you look at you look at um, the, how he got here. They drafted Trey Lance. They give up all the picks for him. And then they end up picking up Brock Purdy because they're like, well, we kind of like this guy. And then all of a sudden he's like the, the third quarterback. In our, in our room is the best quarterback. And he ends up getting to the place he wanted to get via the Trey Lance trade accidentally. And I think Purdy is the guy he needs. You don't need you know, the, the idea that he needs this great running quarterback who can open up new avenues for his offense is probably misguided. He needs this point guard, this guy who distributes the ball. He makes good decisions, and he makes those good decisions quickly. He gets the ball exactly where Kyle wants him to get the ball, and he can make plays off script if he needs to. He has the playmakers around him. And look, Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey, you're talking unicorns at their positions. But they, they are better because of Purdy. Purdy elevates those guys because he knows his role in that system and plays the point guard. He's like a Steve Nash, basically, out there in Mike D'Antoni's system. And I think that's what Kyle has sort of figured out. I didn't need to grab this athletic freak show and put in my offense. 
I needed to find a guy who's perfect for my offense. Mm. Will Brinson joining us. Will, I say this not as a throwaway at the end of the interview. I am really, really, really curious how you see this game. What is your lean? How are you playing this game? I've talked to you all year long. We know how hard it is to pick games. I mean, it's virtually impossible, ATS now these days, in the NFL. But this game in particular, how do you see it? How are you playing it? I I think... Everybody, it feels like everybody's on the Chiefs. Everybody. Everybody's on the Chiefs, which worries me a lot. <laughs> I said the same thing. I'm on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs, I, they, the thing, it, it is weird. And I heard, what was it, like some, some argument about like who's the favorite here. The, Chief, the Niners are the favorite. I mean, that's, that's ipso facto. Dude, the line's the, not moving at all. It's not budging at all. And what is that? It's weird because we've seen three previous Super Bowls. Um, we had Niners and, Niners and Chiefs previously, I believe. Eagles and Chiefs and uh, Patriots and Seahawks. Those are the only three, I think, where they crossed through zero and another team was favored. It ended up not really ma- – oh, no, no, sorry, Broncos and, uh, Broncos and Seahawks. I'm sorry. That was the other one. And not, the, not, the, uh, not, the, not the 49ers and Chiefs. But we've seen these games where it's crossed zero. I think it just means that Vegas doesn't really know either because we have a, cheap, we have a 49ers team, Jim, that's been better than the Chiefs all season long. Uh-huh. They are the better team. They're more well-rounded. They have more playmakers on both sides of the ball. But the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, and they flicked a switch once the playoffs started and became good on offense and have a, a defense that can slow down the Niners. And, look, I'll give credit to my boy Pete Prisco. He said at the beginning of the playoffs with the Niners, if you can block them, you can beat them. And the, the Packers blocked them. The Lions blocked them. And if the Chiefs could block them and force that Niners secondary to hold up, I think the Chiefs win the game. I think it's low scoring. I'll say 24-21. All right, Will Brinson joining us. Before you go, you mentioned the Broncos. Let me ask you something. Russell Wilson. Is he, and this seems absurd, but you were talking about this on your podcast. Is he still a lock for the Hall of Fame? I think, I think it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating. Have you ever seen a case where a guy was just a Hall of Famer and then, like, backed himself out of the Hall Dude, of like Fame? Dude, like, they were measuring him for the coat. It, it, was, it was a done deal. If he, if he completes that pass, if Malcolm Butler doesn't pick that pass off, it's a stone-cold lock. And now he, it's like he's somehow he's moonwalked out of the Hall of Fame. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Yeah, how do you explain it? I, I can't. His play or something else? I, I, think it's, I think it's this idea that, well, I think, one, that Russ's personality sort of off-puts. Off, this is what I'm asking. How much, of that, how much of it is about that? Well, I mean, you remember those stories? I can't remember if it was Seth Wickersham or who it was, but the story about Russ and Sherman and all those dudes having to do this, like, Hawaii retreat where they bonded around a, like a campfire to try and hash things out and, and, and fix the Legion of Boom, and it just didn't work. I mean, that was a budding potential dynasty with a young quarterback, a great run game, and it, like one of the all-time great defenses, and it blew up because of the personalities involved, which is crazy considering how well Pete Carroll kept things together at USC, and, and Pete kept things going. But like that trade, I mean, the Seahawks killed the Broncos in that trade, and then the contract extension on top of it, and now Russ is... You like that? You like that, dude? You like that? How you like that? That's tight. How you like that? Russ is persona non grata. I mean, like, it's it's unbelievable. I made that happen. That was very nice. You like that? I did that for you, Will. I appreciate that, Jim. You're welcome, man. (laughs) (laughs) Finish the thought real quick. No, I mean, I just think Russ is like persona non grata, and it's obvious the Broncos are going to cut him. There's no, that's tight too. There's no you like telling. That? There's no telling. You like See, that's, that? That's better than you. You like that? <laughs> there's no. There's that, no who's that's, better than, that's better than fish. <laughs> that's like better that. than fish. Who's gonna? Oh, that's nice too. You, who's you, gonna you, sign that, Russell Wilson? Who's gonna like? Who's gonna go get him? I, I don't. I don't know. And I think if he if he ends up being a backup somewhere this year, the the, the Canton resume's toast. 
<laughs> I would imagine he would love that. I'm sure that he would help the incumbent get ready every single week. <laughs> right. Yeah, I bet Russ is about that life. <laughs> Will, appreciate you, man. Great to see you. Have a tremendous week. And it's always great to chop it up with you, brother. Thanks so much. Always fun, man.